Hello, everyone. Welcome to Exploit It. I'm Alexis Strowski. And I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons from 2000, directed by Courtney Solomon. In a faraway world, all people deserve to be free and equal. The child is not fit to govern an empire. The forces of darkness, you can control dragons. With the dragon army at my command, I can crush the Empress. This has got to be some twisted magic experiment gone seriously wrong. Have threatened to conquer a kingdom. What can I do to stop Profion? If you can obtain the Rod of Savril, you could control red dragons. I suggest we lay low, let the whole thing blow over, come back, rob everybody. There, there's one small problem. Problem? I kind of committed us to find it. Let the blood rain this task alone. You know, I love the way you track. I'll get Marina, you get the map. How you get the girl and I get a map? We gotta work out some new plans. I want them found. Do you really think you can steal my destiny? Be careful. You too. Now, this was your pick for your birthday movie. It is my pick for my birthday movie. <laughs> Where you could pick any movie you wanted, and you picked Dungeons & Dragons. I did. It's a pretty notorious film, mostly because of Jeremy Irons. Ah, oh, Jeremy Irons is the best. <laughs> it's so good. So, the movie opens with this, like, narration that tells us about the Empire of Izmir. And there's elite magic users that rule over the commoners that can't use magic. Which, it's a completely useless point voiceover, because the very next scene is Jeremy Irons going, I'm an elite magic user and rule over the commoners that can't use magic. Right. That's right. I mean, to be fair, it makes sense, though. If the magic existed in real life, wouldn't that be exactly how it happened? Yeah, and like the narration talks about the young empress... That, that bad people are trying to stop. And Jeremy Irons' very next line is, there's a young empress that I'm trying to stop. I mean, it's just an excuse for Jeremy Irons to pay off his uh, his castle. Yes, I suppose. Which is which is what which is what he actually said that when they asked him why he did this movie. You're kidding! I just bought I, I just bought a castle. Yeah. Somehow. And he was in the mood for castle movies. Yes, he may have bought the castle in the movie. Well, he gives it 100%. I mean, he's not phoning it in, that's for certain. No, 110%. He's going all in. And he's sitting there doing magic, 
Well, no, he's standing there, like, casting spells, screaming magic words. <laughs> and he's got this uh, blue-lipped sidekick named Damador. Yes, played by uh, Bruce Payne. What's he from? <coughs> I don't know, Dungeons & Dragons 2? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the existence of sequels he's in like a bit. A theater, he's like a British theater actor. He was in Highlander Endgame. Ah, the terrible one. The classic. So Jeremy Irons gets this rod, and he's like, okay, release him, and they release this bad CGI dragon. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, the CGI in this movie could have been a lot worse. It's not terrible, terrible. The dragon, eh, kind of in in the medium range. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely worse. Yeah, I, it's this is 2000. I mean, it's still pretty early in the we're going to use CGI for everything era. Yeah, and so he controls the dragon and he says your favorite line. It is my favorite line. Go ahead. Give me every ounce of your rage. <laughs> he does a little. Like, why does he do the tongue sound? I don't know, but it is glorious. That had to have been ad libbed. <laughs> so that he. It's not controlling the dragon really well, so dragon comes after him, and they, they take him out like a rancor. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. And then we get, this is this is bad CGI. The, the CGI blood here is, is pretty pretty damn terrible. Yeah, they just drop this gate on him, and it impales the dragon through his neck, and it just, CGI blood. Yeah, into real fire, I think. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, okay, burn it. We'll have to modify our plants. And um, so all this fire leaves the castle. And so we get Ridley, played by, is that Justin Whalen? Yeah. And Snails, played by Marlon Wayans. Marlon Wayans mostly just playing the same character Marlon Wayans plays every time. But he's good at it. Yeah, only he gets to say thou a couple times. That's true. <laughs> And so they see all the fire coming out of the castle, and they repeat the voiceovers like, Oh no, we're commoners rolled over by the elite magic people, and there's a young empress in there. Gotta keep reminding us. This is a very, um, this is a very unsubtle <laughs> class warfare movie. Yeah. There's no subtlety to this. And it again establishes why that voiceover at the beginning was so fucking useless. Because every time a character is introduced, they repeat that voiceover. Oh, yeah, you gotta have the, uh, uh, you gotta make sure the people watching this can keep their, their attention. And so, Ridley and Snails, they're both, like, rogues. That's their class, that's what they rolled. Yeah, thieves, whatever, it's... <laughs> So this movie came out in 2000, in December of 2000, just for some history. Wizard of the Coast had just bought a nearly uh, bankrupt TSR, and I believe they bought them in 97, and had been developing 3rd edition D&D, which would come out earlier that year in August. However, given the length of development on this project, it was probably more influenced by 2nd edition D&D, so they probably would have been called Thieves, but there yeah. you go. So, they're like, let's rob the magic school, for no reason. Well, they're thieves. Yeah. And they figure that's where the money is. Yeah, because, you know, they repeat that they are commoners ruled over by an elite magic class, you know, that, that class warfare. Right, exactly. And we go right into to council politics. 
Yeah, we got, well, you know, this is the same reason I love uh, Phantom Menace. It's just these political scenes. I don't know what's wrong with me. And you have, like, the Magic Council, and they're, they're talking about the Empress, and the Empress has these really progressive ideas that everybody should be equal. And so they're like, we need to impeach her. Yeah. Well, it's not a hard sell. It's not a hard sell for Profion. It's Jeremy Irons' character to to tell these guys, "Hey, her ideas are going to remove you from power." Ah, ah. They're like, "Harumph, harumph." And it's like, "Yes, of course, obviously." <laughs> they're like, "The rich, powerful people are not going to like the idea of not being rich and powerful anymore." I wrote MAGA mages because they're all like, "We hate the socialist empress." <laughs> Pretty much. But I mean, it is affecting their their livelihood. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, all people deserve to be free and equal, and they're like, rah, 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 rah. the one guy apparently says that uh, it implies that there is some reason that can't be, but then makes no actual like explanation about why that would be the case. So Jeremy Irons, since he can't get the Empress to abdicate, he's like, well, I'm gonna go find uh, the, there's this red. Rod of Severe, which will control red dragons. Well, I mean, so when I saw this movie the first time, I didn't catch this plot point, because apparently I wasn't paying attention to the one line of dialogue this comes up in. They want her to surrender the... She has a rod that controls gold dragons. Gold dragons being the good equivalent of red dragons in D&D lore. And it sounds like it might be some sort of heirloom of hers. I don't really know. I thought it was just... The, the royal scepter happened to also control dragons, that it's passed from emperors to emperor. That could be it. But the her advisor, who I think is also the head of the mages' guild. The old dude? The old dude, yeah. Is just like, hey, if we get this other rod, and then you can give up your, your rod to them, and they won't know you have this other one in case the shit goes down, apparently. Yeah. So that's why she is starting up there, but uh, Profion's got an imp familiar that spies on everything, so now he's aware of this. And then we go back to uh, Ridley and Snails, and they're scaling this tower. And Snails is like, this tower is so high, why don't we just rob God? Yeah, why don't we rob God <laughs> while we're up here? Yeah. Marlon Wayans doing his best uh, Chris Tucker impersonation throughout this movie, by the way. Yes, because he never fucking shuts up. That's right. And they are loud thieves. They storm on into oh, this room. Terrible. They're knocking shit around. Also, they're like stealing shit they have no way of selling. Like, who the hell is going to buy this shit? I don't know. I'd buy the big giant dragon hologram thing they pick up. Okay, yeah, but I mean, it's so hard to fence that. And then who can afford that? I mean, it's it's established that it's like this really, di- you know, hugely polarizing haves and haves not saying, is there... Is there anybody down in the slums that's going to be able to afford a fucking dragon hologram? Yeah, like what fucking... Who's going to fence that? Who's fencing this shit? And then we meet Marina, who's the young young mage apprentice that works in the library. That apparently mostly just does library research. Yeah. She does know spells. And, um... But the old mage is like, but you're a woman. Yeah, well, he's old. Yeah. And dies. He's like, fetch me some manticord wing. It's like, is that easy to find? (laughs) They just have it on the shelves. And um, she hears the the thieves, which are so loud. 
They're just knocking everything around. Yeah, it doesn't take much to hear these idiots. And so she uses her magic wand to make, like, this magic rope. Yeah. She wraps them around and just drags them all around the, the college. I'm not aware of any spell like that in D&D, but there's probably something in some obscure second edition tome that I haven't read. Well, I think it's from Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's the <laughs> Lasso of Truth spell. Marina's and, uh, Lasso of Truth. So Damador shows up with the, the Royal Guard, the Crimson Guard or something like that. Okay, at this point I'd like to mention that I'm going to do my best not to bring up how bad the weapons and armor are for throughout the movie. There are a few specific things I do want to mention. Uh, Damodar's lovely uh, rubber <laughs> armor. It's rubber armor, yeah. But th- yes, there are a few things, but I just I tried so hard not to take notes on how bad all of the arms and armor are this. Like, it's supposed to look like metal, but you can tell it's not. Yeah. And, um, so they off the old dude. Yeah. And so Marina now escapes with Ridley and Snails in tow, and they, they fall out onto a a pile of trash where a dwarf hobo lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my, other than Jeremy Irons, my favorite character in this movie. It's dwarf hobo? Yes. Well, he adventures with them the whole time. Yeah, for no reason other than he's fucking homeless. He's like, what else am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, he's trying to get some money. He's hoping he might get paid. Yeah, and he's like napping in a pile of garbage in front of a sign that says, no dwarves allowed. So some like racist pub that kicked him out into the trash, I guess. <laughs> he, may be the, he may be the cause of that sign, to be fair. it's play, He's played by Lee Ehrenberg who is probably most famous for playing Pintel uh, in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Ah. The, the two, uh, the two, basically the uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 of those films. And we're going to stop real quick for a commercial break. Hello there, everyone. Swole Dang Swartzen. Here today to tell you about something I've encountered in my journeys, and that is dwarfs. You know, I'm not talking about the short people like Peter Dinklage. Sometimes people call them dwarves. No, I am talking about actual right out of Tolkien bearded little high fantasy dwarves. These handy little guys live in garbage have foul tempers, but are actually pretty capable in a scrap. If you've ever been out on some campaign to find a mystical rod that, I don't know, controls dragons, you should definitely consider taking one in your party. Last time I was knocking about in some magical kingdom, I had a dwarf in my party. Tough little bearded and axe-wielded warrior, found out she was a woman, I married her. It's nice to have something to grab onto when you're letting your woman ride down the Dag Swanson train to Pound Town. So, uh, yeah. Dwarfs. Everybody give them a shot. Catch you later. And we're back. So they end up in the sewer and they make their way to an inn. 
and nobody cares that they smell of sewage because they're all commoners ruled over by an elite magic class, which they tell us again. Apparently, there actually is a scene in the sewers that was cut for the DV from the from the film, uh, which uh, apparently involved Marina getting covered in a lot of poop, like a lot <laughs> of sewage. And also, there is they on the DVD. They actually released a PDF adventure based on this uh, these characters with pre uh, pre generated characters and everything set in the sewers. So you can play through that scene if you like. Yes, because it's about this point in the movie where I'm imagining the people that are playing this campaign. I mean, it, let's be honest; it does feel like because at this people point, actually playing a D and D game and at being this complete point, rats is at it. We have a party. Yeah, yeah I mean, we it's do. it's a tor- horribly balanced, it not balanced party. We have two rogues, which are people that like, oh, I like this, and so I'm going to play it regardless of the party dynamics. At least you have a mage, but she doesn't cast any spells for four, three, like three quarters of the movie. And um, the the dwarf warrior. I, I will say that uh, it does remind me her not casting spells. I I had a I did play an adventure one time where a friend of mine played a really prissy dwarf sorcerer and refused to do anything. Huh. And would just like not want to get his hands dirty, and would just kind of like hide on the edges of the arena. And he got crushed by a, the hammer of a statue and died. And literally did not did not cast a spell the entire game. Yeah, this is one of those D and D parties where everyone wants to play their own thing, yeah. and they don't really want to like look at being a party, even though they are a party. So you got. Two rogues, a, a warrior, and a mage that are just gonna get fucking face rolled. They don't know who's gonna heal them. We do get a, we do get an elf ranger later, but yeah, no, no clear. Actually, there are no clerics in this. There's a druid at one point. Yeah, I we'll guess he's a him. druid. We'll get yeah. to him. I got a lot to say about that dude. So they, um, they have this map, and somehow Ridley just knows magic. It's not even fucking established. It's implied that it's hereditary, I think, and that he somehow has access to it, because he can use the dragon rod later, so I think he is, like, of mage descent. Yeah, um, and I guess just knowing magic words is, is hereditary, too. Yeah, right. Because he just waves his hand over the map and goes says some words, and then boom, he's in the map. And then Marina does the same, and she's in the map. And then we we never see their map adventure. Yes, and I don't think they shot this. I, I could not find any reference to this being... And I'm just thinking the whole time, it's like, man, I want to see what happened in the fucking map. The door of the Explorer shows up. No, I'm just kidding. So Damador, meanwhile, he, he goes to tell Profion that, um, oh yeah, I lost him. Profion Solutions like, well, I'm going to fill you with fucking parasites now, okay? Yeah, brain-controlling parasites. And actually a pretty intense scene. <laughs> and he sends Damador out to find them. And while um, Snails is hitting on the Elf Ranger. Well, I love that they're sitting at the bar uh, during the map scene, and our dwarf friend's just shoveling chicken into his face. Oh, yeah. Well, he's Dwarf Hobo. He probably hasn't had a decent meal that wasn't garbage for a while. And these idiots are just arguing with each other the whole time, and he's just like, no fucks, I'm just keeping my fucking chicken, I don't care. Like I said, it's a really shitty D&D party. Yeah. He's just like, he, he, the dwarf guy, the dwarf player is just like, yep, I just want to go smack things. 
You guys have your weird shit. Tell me when I can roll some dice to, to kill things. Damador, I wrote down one of his lines, which he says to the guards. He's like, you shall suffer a fate far greater than that which has inflicted upon me. I'm like, that's yes. just so unnecessary. <laughs> Bruce Payne is great in this movie, too. He's scenery chewing just as hard as Jeremy Irons, but like in the reverse way, where Jeremy Irons is just like going off the deep end with overacting. Like, I feel like Bruce Payne undersells everything he says. He does. We have one of my, one of my my second favorite line in the movie, where is you got to find a woman with a hair on her chin and you yeah. can hang on. He's like, he sees snails hitting on the the elf, and he's like, oh, elves are terrible. You want some meat and a beard? And then Damador shows up, and it's a big goofy ass bar fight. I like, and I like that our dwarf friend just starts it by yelling "bar fight," th- pushing a chair, and then running away. Does our dwarf friend have a name? Uh, Elwood. Elwood. Okay, that's it's pretty generic. Yeah, they're all fairly generic. And um, so they Except escape. For the villains. Yeah. So Elwood and snails escape, and that's when Ridley and Marina just come back, and they're talking about their map adventure that we never get to to see. Apparently they become an old married couple at some point because they're arguing like one. Yeah, and they're like, well, you're the one that told the race this. Oh, well, you didn't have to hit it, you know. Right. And apparently now they have the knowledge of what they need to do to get this rod. Is that they have to go find this ruby called the Eye of the Dragon, which will help them enter a cave, and then they'll have the rod. And I'm like, this is typical fantasy because it's it's fetch quest, fight evil bad guy. And uh, at this point, Ridley's uh, thinking with his rod because uh, yeah, now he just wants to hook up with Marina. And Snails which, is like, "God damn it, this is going to get me killed." Which you know that he's going to hook up. You knew from the minute Marina was on the screen that they were going to hook up. Right. There's. No, I mean, look. There's nothing particularly uh, well written about this movie. Yeah, and yeah, I had a thing here about that's. It's every fantasy movie is that. You know, fetch quest for the special item to defeat the bad guy. I mean, yeah, but I mean that's I mean that goes back to Tolkien, right? Yeah. Well, no, it's Clash of the Titans. It's that's pretty common in Greek mythology. Yeah, I mean the MacGuffin is something that has existed as a storytelling device since the dawn of time. So. Perseus has the fetch quest of Medusa's head to beat the that's Kraken. Right. That's right. You know, Jason and the Argonauts. Jason has the fetch quest for the Golden Fleece and. Yeah, this. I mean, this goes back to, to prehistory in terms of storytelling. And so they set out on their their fetch quest, and they they make it to this town. I can't remember the name of the town, but they have to go to the thieves guild because they have the the eye of the dragon. Not to be confused with eye of the tiger. <laughs> yes. And there's this Antia Antius. Antius. That's the name of the town. And they, they meet this purple dude who's flamboyant, and he also does the tongue thing. He's like, oh, you want the thieves guild? I just assumed that was a tick particular to either that character or that very interesting species, and it, <laughs> whatever it, it is. Yeah, that's not a race that exists in D&D lore. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. <laughs> and um, so the, the head of the thieves guild is this guy named Zilius. Who I love. 
Oh, he's he, he gives no fucks. He's this perfect combination of icky and like refined. Ah, uh, so good. This is actually one of the better performances in the movie. This guy's great. And they go see Zilius, and they're like, "Oh wow, is this how the Thieves Guild lives?" No, just me. <laughs> Also, Snail's showing that he's just a straight-up klepto. He's just walking around the Merchant Bazaar before this, just taking things yeah. randomly, randomly. And then they give, shit. they give Marina shit for shopping. Like, two different characters like, what are you, fucking shopping? Well, to be fair, Elwood is now sober, and he's not happy about this. So he says, if you're not, if I'm not drinking, you're not shopping. Yeah, and um, so they get into the, the Thieves' Guild, and Zilius sexually harasses Marina. Right, perfect combination of icky and fun. He's like, where did you fellows get this precious morsel? And um, so what they have to do to get this is they have to go through the Antaeus guild maze. Because at the center of the maze is the Ayat's dragon, which nobody has been able to get. And how the fuck did it get there? Because they say that nobody has ever gone through the maze. So... I also like to point out that the guy playing Zilius is Richard O'Brien, who is uh, probably most famous for playing Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Picture Show and, oh co- and co-writing the uh, screenplay for it. I didn't even recognize him. But yeah, they have this death maze. Like, who the fuck built a death maze? I mean, <laughs> crazy thieves who want to watch people die in a death maze. I mean, did the, the thieves killed before, like, hey, we found a death maze. Let's just build our guild on top of it. And so Ridley has to go through the death maze. And it's just a series of traps that he has to solve. Um, There's big swinging metal things. There's a room where, you know, if you step on the wrong tile, fire shoots out. There's a, a spike ceiling. You know, it's just various things. It's not really a maze. You know, it's not like you get lost. You just go from room to room. So, holy shit. Richard O'Brien is also the voice of Lawrence Fletcher, the dad of Ferb on Phineas and Ferb. Oh, really? <laughs> That's fucking amazing. I'm just doing some research. I'm like, holy shit, this guy is awesome. And he's great in this movie. So, yeah. He is. And we're going to stop for a real quick commercial break again. <laughs> Look, up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! No, it's a fucking dragon. You know, dragons. The huge, fire-breathing lizards that eat everything and destroy whole civilizations? And our young child empress controls a whole army of gold ones? Does that seem right to you? Does that seem fair? She's up on that podium with her progressive ideas talking about equality and ending class differences. Well, unless she's going to give everyone their own goddamn dragon, she's a hypocrite. The young empress wields too much power for a girl of her age. Do you remember the never-ending story? That kid in that movie gets his own dragon at the end? Does he use it to promote progressive ideas of harmony and equality? No. He uses it to torment some other kids. And he had some weak-ass pink puffball dragon, not the actual army of fanged, scaly, fire-breathing monsters that our young empress controls. So, please... Join the Council of Magic in voting to force this young empress to abdicate, to surrender her control over an army of dragons. Paid for by the Propheon for High Emperor Campaign. And we're back. <laughs> ah, yes. 
<laughs> so Ridley gets through the maze and he gets the uh the gem and there's no booby trap. Yeah, I was expecting there to be one too. Yeah, so. but there wasn't. The set designer. Yeah, the set designer is having a great time. Like all these sets are so creative. Also, real fire. Well, yeah, thank God. CGI fire would have looked like ass. And you know, Still. fire's not that expensive. <laughs> Dangerous, but, you know, it's just Justin Malin. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. I'm having trouble remembering what he was in. I knew who he was without ever, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Justin Whalen. But I can't remember what I remember him from. Oh, he's in Child's Play 3. That's where I fucking know him. He's in Lois and Clark, the new Adventures of Superman. He plays Jimmy Olsen. I remember him from Child's Play 3. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's where I know him from. And Serial Mom. He's the, the like, perverted kid. <laughs> that that uh, people fucking... walk in on him masturbating in its scene. A fucking... Fucking Justin Wheeler. <laughs> we might do that movie someday. I don't know. Uh, but um, Zilius is like, okay, give me the give me the gem now. It's in my maze, so I own it. And he's like, well, but what about honor amongst thieves? He's like, what? Law, <laughs> honor amongst thieves. What fucking fairy tale did you read that in? Uh, so good. And then Damador shows up, and um. Zilius tells him to fuck off, and they all fight. Yep. And the elf wanders her way back into the story. I do appreciate the uh, the inclusivity of having a uh, black actress play the elf in 2000, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they, it kind of counters Marlon Wayans overbearing. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, like I said, they hired Marlon Wayans to play Marlon Wayans. And at this point, imagining the, the people that are playing this game... This elf ranger that's now a part of their party, that's like somebody's like, oh, my mom made me take my little brother to this. Just give him a character that's pre-written, okay? <laughs> that he doesn't really have to do anything. Because she really doesn't do a whole lot. She doesn't do a lot of ranger shit. Well, she gets like a little bit of like uh, Legolas style fight. This, is like, this had come out a year before Lord of the Rings. We could bring that up a little bit at the end. <laughs> I have some things to say. It's not as impressive as Legolas. No, no, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some of that at the end. And so they, um, they, D Damador does get Marina. Yes. He's gonna torture the information out of her. And, but first he tries, like, pleading with her. And he's like, look at me, I'm filled with these parasites. I care about the Empress, but I'm gonna die unless I do this. I mean, he's not wrong. I don't think he had too much of a choice. And um, she's like, oh, no, you poor dear. And then he's like, ha, ha, ha. And he grabs her and he's like, foolish girl, I can suck. Yeah, I know. The information out. There's like this huge pause yes, after sir. suck. <laughs> I wrote, he certainly can suck. I can suck the information out of your head. But that was an intense scene, too, actually. Yeah, and he just... His little earworms come out and they attach themselves to Marina and he's like, okay, I know what's up now. Just sucked the information. He did what he said. And so um, they're riding with the elves and apparently dwarves are terrified of horses. Well, at least that particular one is. He says dwarves, but we don't meet any other dwarves, so. Yeah. Sample size is one. 
And Snail's still thirsty for this ranger. And it's like, I love the way you track. <laughs> she is pretty. I mean, I... Oh, that reminds me of a line previous. It's like, I think I'm trying to escape. And uh, basically, Elwood gives Marlon Wayans the no time for love, Dr. Jones. He's like, I think I'm in love. He goes, really? Nah, I just want to hit it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> And then we have the they, – they show up at this, like, fort, and we have the horribly bad CGI Beholder. But I'm glad that they put Beholders in just because they're so iconic to D&D. But they didn't really do anything with it. No, it's, it's kind of like a Easter egg. Yeah, but they're such, such a terrible, like, endgame level mm. boss in the game, you know? Yeah, they're crazy. And here it's just like a fucking security camera. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't say they used them well. I'm just glad that they showed up. And then, so Snails wanders into this tent with his kleptomania. Yeah, he just, once again, can't resist just taking all the things. And he ends up trapped in, like, spaghetti sauce. <laughs> yes, we. Uh, my wife and I are having a debate about what the fuck is <laughs> this. Obviously, the, the rug turns into the equivalent of quicksand, but what the hell material are they putting him in? Looks like marshmallow. Yeah, it looked to me like it was a bunch of like marinara covered in parmesan. It's fucking weird. And I could I looked it up. I tried to find what it was and I could not find what the hell that shit was. And so they um Damador shows up and yanks him out of the the goop. Yeah, whatever the fuck it is, yeah. And they have a battle that that carries on outside. And Damador just kills snails. Yeah, he does strut out, like, while she chases it, and she's got this glorious cod piece that I didn't notice before, so that's a, that's a thing Damador's rocking. Yeah, and it's just his, his private cod piece. They caught him at home. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just, man, I was wearing my cod piece, and these assholes show up. It's his lounging cod piece. His, his, his end of the day chill cod piece. Uh, we get Justin Whalen doing some terrible acting. And yeah, it's Snails, Sna- no! Snails gets yeeted off the cliff. And when he gets yeeted off the cliff, it plays his, like, victory music. It's, it's, I don't know if it's trying to be, like, dramatic sound music, but it sounds like the fucking Final Fantasy victory music. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but... They yeet him off the cliff, and it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, that's because Damodar just leveled up. It's fine. Yeah. And he stabs Justin Whalen, and they barely escape. And before we get to that fucking druid, there's another council meeting where yeah, Profian th- is again begging the Empress to abdicate. And this is a, this is a funny scene because you've got Thorbert's grossly underacting. Yeah. And you've got Jeremy Irons just devouring like a black hole every bit of scenery in that room like thora birch seems barely aware that she's in the movie i know she she doesn't do anything in this movie she'll just kind of wistfully go oh but people are equal and then jeremy irons is like idealism is for children grandstanding in front of the other mages yeah, um, he's alpha mage. That's right. 
But basically it just incites a whole civil war is what happens. Right. And then we get, like, the elf village. And the druid is played by Tom Baker. Yes, the fourth doctor. The fourth doctor. And I'm like, fucking Doctor Who? <laughs> That's right. Like, the, the best, most memorable doctor? And he's this elf druid? That when he speaks, he's like, Oh, you people use magic. We are magic. Ferngully. Yeah. This, what's funny is this movie actually legit has actors that are that and actresses who have talent, and then it has Justin Whalen. Yeah, you have Justin as the Whalen. lead, trying to be Han Solo and failing miserably because he has neither the acting chops or the charisma. Doctor Who, why are you doing this? I, I'm sure he he may have bought a castle too. Maybe it was a timeshare with Jeremy Irons. It was a Time Lord share. That's exactly what it was. And so it's we get the inevitable Ridley and Marina hookup. They they make out in the elf town, and there's some fucking elves wearing skull masks. I don't know what their deal is. And they're speaking in elven, and it sounds like they're like, "What are these fucking people doing?" Yeah, that's exactly the. That seems like the conversation they're having. I'm pretty sure that's what. And they're the only elves that speak elvish. Yeah, I guess everyone else speaks common or whatever. They're 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 old school elves. That's yeah. what it is. They're, they're the vets. They've been around. Well, they want, like, elf land for elves. And That's right. Preserve their language. Yeah, they're they're elf supremacists. They're like the one person in Iceland that still speaks Icelandic. That's right. <laughs> they're holding the, uh, holding the fort down. Yeah, and so they show up at the magic cave, which... You know, it's not impressive. It's just a fucking cave. Oh, I will say... The, I, I like to. I like some some of those scenes where they're like making out. There's that imp. Provia's imp is just like creepily watching them. <laughs> and they give uh, they give Ridley that sword, and it's super dull and has no cutting edge. It literally looks like it's like and, a full like ten ten millimeters, like a centimeter wide on the edge. Like that's not cutting anything. But they pretend it's the super magical super sword. At least it's just made of metal. So I guess there's that. And so, Ridley goes into the cave, but apparently only he can enter the cave. Right. Because there's some sort of force field pops up and nobody else can follow him. Solo dungeon time. Yeah, he doesn't really fight anything, though. He just goes in there and there's a bunch of, like, gold and stuff around. And he's like, oh, snails would have loved stealing this. That's right. Marina, Marina now dressed all normie and not in a... Not in her expensive mage outfit, and her hair's down now. Yeah. Set, desi- set designer still having a good time. Oh, yeah, because the set inside the cave is fine, and then there's this big skeleton holding the rod that just starts talking. And I'm like, how is the skeleton talking? I guess it's a lich. I'm going uh, to go with a lich. And so he basically tells Justin Wayland, like, yeah, you can have this rod, that's fine, but just know that, like, Controlling red dragons is fucked up, man. Yeah, you end up like me, bro. Yeah, a talking skeleton in a cave. And he sees, like, all the murals on the wall of red dragons fucking shit up. And so he just skips down out of the cave. He's like, hey, guys, I got the rod. And Damador's there with everybody hostage. And he's like, oh, shit. Bruce Payne's like, yes, thank you for bringing it to me, saving me the time. You know, underselling a... Oh, they're selling his performance again. <laughs> and we 
get this with the, the, the Civil War that's going on back in the, the Kingdom. What I love about the Civil War is this is what happens when your PCs go off the rails and they don't complete the quest in time. She goes, well, fuck it, plan B, I'm going to keep the goddamn raw. <laughs> and she has this whole army of gold dragons that just lay siege to the mage school. Yeah. And Jeremy Irons and all the other mages are like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And they're, like, casting fireballs and shooting crossbows. And they're totally losing. Well, no, they take out one dragon. And Thora Birch is like, oh, no, what did I do? And she leaves for a minute to just come back again. Profion is a snappy dresser. He is. And that's when Diamondor shows up with the rod. And to my surprise, uh, Jeremy Irons actually frees him from the brain parasite. Yeah, he does. He's like, are you going to free me now? He's like, oh, sure. There you sure. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, yeah, basically, yeah, 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 yeah. And just kind of flicks magic at him and gets rid of it. Yeah, but the thing is, is Domador still remains faithful to him. <laughs> and, yeah. Because uh... Justin Wadlin hops through the little portal and has a fight with Damador with his dull-ass magic sword. But apparently they're lightning, so maybe that suddenly that rubber armor makes sense. That does, because every time they, they clash swords, there's, like, big purple sparks flying everywhere. It's a, The fight choreography's terrible. And Jeremy Irons is just screaming as he summons red dragons. He's like, this is my destiny! Let their blood rain from the sky! Yes. Let their blood rain from the sky! Excited slayer noises. And, <laughs> So there's dragon fighting going on, and Jeremy Irons is just coming buckets about it all. I, I swear several times we see Jeremy Irons' O-face in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm super comfortable with that. He's just like, I bought a castle, dragons, ah! Uh. And at one point, he's rambling so much that the subtitles just don't exist anymore. <laughs> he's just, I didn't... <laughs> there's no subtitles. So I, I'm like... 80% certain there's a bizarre reference to the talented Mr. Ripley here, because at one point, Profion goes, not so talented are you, Mr. Ridley? Yeah. I'm like, what? Why? The movie, Talented Mr. Ripley came out in 99, so, again, I wonder, is that an ad-lib from fucking Jeremy Irons? Just weird fucking reference. And so, yeah, the, um, the whole party shows up to fight Profion now, and he goes out pretty fast. They get the rod from him and make a dragon eat him. Yeah, they shatter the rod. Looks like I made of ice all. Oh yeah, they shatter the rod, so all the red dragons just fuck off. And one of them eats Profion. No, she... it's Thora Birch's dragon. Oh, that's right, it's the gold dragon. Because she shows up there, and then she just kind of like waves her wand, and the gold dragon comes up and eats him. But... That is a uh, that is a bold choice with the gold veil and gold scale halter. Yeah, and she's got that horrible female armor that is so not at all protective. At least she's got mail underneath the halter, but still, why? Why gold scale halter? <laughs> 2000 D&D. So the day is saved, and we don't get, like... The fucking Empress doesn't thank them at all. Everybody just poses for a picture, basically. Time for the celebration, Ewok sounds intensifying. Yeah. 
And so they're all hanging out at Snails' grave. Yep, he gets a cairn. He's like, oh, Snails, we're going to miss you, buddy. And he, like, waves his hand and Snails' name vanishes. And the, the elf ranger's like, oh, you brought your friend back to life. And then they disappear into the stone or some shit, I can't Well, they run off to go find him. Apparently, Ridley's a necromancer now, too. And that never gets resolved in any of the sequels, because the second one is set 100 years later, and the third one has and the third one has nothing to do with it. And there's another one coming out, which also has nothing to do with it. So, um, uh, I just was hoping the sequel would be about, like, snails as a thrall to Ridley the Necromancer. <laughs> I mean, I would not have mind a uh, minded a, a sequel where they actually follow up on this, but we do get the return of Bruce Payne as Damodar in the sequel. What is, is he? Some sort of immortal? I guess he gets resurrected at some point. He's like cursed by Propion, so he comes back every hundred years and tries to do something. You would expect Jeremy Irons. He looked like he was having so much fun, and that he would have done the sequel for free. To walk the earth as an undead entity, driven insane by the curse, who seeks revenge in the kingdom of Izmir and the descendants of those who defeated them. But this movie, it's not that bad. I mean, it's not good, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, you know, the CGI is dated. It is. There's some nice, like, painting, like, matte paintings in here. Yeah, there are. And, a, and, and some decent practical effects and set design. You know, and this does feel like a D&D campaign that would last a weekend. Yeah, it feels like a, a nice little one or two shot for sure. Yeah, fetch quest, fight the evil wizard. DM hamming it up as the wizard. Yeah, and you got these nice little encounters along the way, you know, the little fortress where they got to rescue Marina. I saw this movie twice in the theater, by the way. I only saw it once in the theater. I wanted to support the brand. Ah. They didn't need my support, but... <laughs> I wanted to anyway. Yeah, Wizards of the Coast owns all fantasy gaming ever. Yes, it pretty much does now. Hell, they they own Pokemon card game too, I think. No, I think they that license reverted back. Uh but they do own so much, and and of course Hasbro owns them, so yeah, infinite all the things. But still, <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I mean, it's a fun. It's it's the 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 big problem is, well, I don't know that. <sighs> Okay, so up until the point this movie was released, fantasy as a genre in film was a joke. Yeah. Like, nobody did fantasy movies. Like, I remember trying to find fantasy movies once I started getting into, like, it was like Lady Hawk, and that movie sucks balls. Like, <laughs> I, I'll watch D&D 400 times before I watch Lady Hawk No, again. there was other 80 movies that the sort of scandal genre. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you had the low fantasy stuff like Conan. Oh, you had Dragon Slayer and Crawl and yeah, it's the low, but it's it's that yeah, it's that that sword and sandals low low fantasy. No one was doing high fantasy. No, like no one was doing mid or high fantasy like this. And then a year later, literally a year later, because it came out in December, uh, Lord of the Rings comes out, and suddenly oh. fantasy everyone's doing fantasy because oh. Lord of the Rings just is a fucking hit at the box office and it looks great. I mean. Lord of the Rings is infinitely better, but I, I I wonder what would have happened if they had made this movie, say, in 2003 instead of 2000. What it would have been like. It would have had a bigger cast, a bigger budget, better special effects. Yeah, they would have been trying to copy is, Lord of the Rings. 
Right, and now fantasy is actually a marketable thing that they'd be willing to invest money in. Yeah, but mostly for streaming. I haven't seen a fantasy film in theaters for a bit. Game of Thrones really changed the, the genre. Yeah, streaming now, though, is so like high budget that... I that mean, it's essentially just a 13-hour movie. Yeah, I mean, look at what Disney Plus is doing. Like, I'm watching She-Hulk, Attorney of Law. It's literally just nine 45-minute movies, like, strung together. And it's great. And that's the thing, is, like, you would actually have a budget for this shit now. So I'm wondering how much better this would have been a few years after Lord of the Rings rather than the year before. Yeah, well, what other fantasy stuff came out around at, in the in the wake of Lord of the Rings? I know there was you? that fucking Aragon movie. Oh yeah. Oh, when did uh, when did um, Dragonheart come out? Oh, when that was it? that was in the nineties. Those were okay. Not great. But I actually okay. have not seen them so. Oh, oh, the first one's okay. No, Sean Connery voices a dragon, and that's about it. I think there's a Quaid in one of them. I don't know. There probably is. I feel like there's a Quaid in most things. <laughs> um, no, but, this movie's fun. It's just, I think... I think oh, because you also had Harry Potter coming out around the same time, yep, too. Uh-huh. Which drove the, the, the fantasy craze. Yeah, and I just think you you see fantasy stuff from time to time, like, or even, like, if you take a look at some of the Marvel stuff, I mean, Doctor Strange is pretty heavily fantasy, and I guess a little bit of horror influence on there, and, like, I don't know. The first Thor movie. Well, and you have to remember, also, yeah, the first Thor movie. And uh, some of the second. I mean, it's the third one where he's traveling in space to other planets, that it's like, okay, that's... Later comics. Yeah, now we're in cosmic territory, which is cool. But I mean, to be fair, the same thing happened with superhero movies when I, before Iron Man came out. It's like they were kind of a joke. So I mean, somebody's got to do the first really good one and make it marketable. Yeah, well, you had X Men was a blip on the radar That's... for a bit, but then it it embarrassed itself. That's true. X Two was good, and then everything else was poop after that. Yeah, especially fucking X Men Origins Wolverine. Spider-Man, the first, uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the second one was really good, and then everything, then the third one was absolute trash. And I mean, I'll never forget that time there was that girl at work that I just did not like at all, and she's trying to be conversational and friendly, and she's like, what's your favorite romantic comedy? And I'm just like, X-Men Origins Wolverine, <laughs> just to get her to shut up. I, but I mean, you said Deadpool too, right? That's been, that's been... That's been fixed. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds went back into time and killed himself to not see it. So. <laughs> but we're off topic here. D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. It's not that bad. It's, it's not, not a, one of the worst movies ever. No, it's not as bad as ever makes it out to be. Look, it's it's crusade genre, whatever. It's fun, though. And, I mean, whatever. It's an hour and 45 minutes. It's, it's entertaining. I mean, just... An, Watch it for Jeremy Irons. Nothing else. Watch it for Jeremy Irons and the Xylus and then the, the fucking fourth doctor for the three minutes he's in the movie doing yeah. nothing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun. I just, it's interesting to think what kind of money that 
Wizards of the Coast might have invested in if this had come out in 2003 or 2004, rather than the... I think the director actually raised the budget for this on his own. Yeah, and that was one thing, because up until just a minute ago, I thought Courtney Solomon was a woman. No, it's a... It's a... Well... No, it's a dude. And there's a picture of him on Wikipedia where he's looking all Ben Kingsley with a panda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess he uh, he acquired the rights in, what, like 1990, and spent 10 years raising the money himself to produce it. And then he wanted to hire another director, including... Francis Ford Coppola was someone he wanted, and TSR, who still owned when they was developing this, Wizards hadn't bought them yet, forced him to direct it. Yeah, because this was his first time directing a movie, and he's only directed like two movies. He's not a director. They just kind of hammed him in. He did okay. Like, I don't think the, the direction's bad. I don't think he had the directing chops to get good performances out of some of these shitty actors. And, or to rein in... <laughs> Jeremy Irons insanity. I think I'm he glad he just, did. Keep going, Jeremy. More. It's like that scene in uh, in uh, Dolomites. My, <laughs> my name is Dolomite or whatever. Where, he's, <laughs> where Wesley Snipes is just sitting there going, <laughs> "We shoot this scene in a way that it doesn't it actually makes him look like he's sitting there. There is no angle like that. Okay, roll it. <laughs> I feel like that was. Every scene with Jeremy Hodge. When Eddie Murphy's like, how was the scene? It's like, I see no reason to do this again. (laughs) Pretty sure that's how a lot of the things in this movie went. Yep, but next week we are doing um, Zomcoms. We're doing Return of the Living Dead and a bonus episode of One Cut of the Dead. Two wonderful classic, well, not classic. One Cut of the Dead's pretty damn recent. But they're great zombie comedies. And so that was our episode on Dungeons and Dragons. I hope you enjoyed it. Big special thanks to Charlie McMullen and William Wright for recording the advertisements heard in this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploitatpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at podcastexploit or on Instagram at exploitatpodcast. Or contact us at exploitatpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time as we look at Return of the Living Dead.